So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Welcome to the Independent Riot Podcast. Your home for free thinkers, independent believers, and radicals questioning the status quo. Our goal is to provide you entertaining, intelligent discussion around all of life's most pressing questions without hidden agendas or ulterior motives. So if you're too good for the bad, too bad for the good, and sick of people trying to convince you to join their preferred pyramid scheme this week, you've found your home. Now here's your host, Jim Duncan. All right, welcome back to the Independent Riot, everybody, where we don't shy away from provocative ideas, but try to use objective thinking, free speech, and reason to find the truth and then figure out what in the hell to do about it. And today is another deep dive episode with FCAT. How you doing, FCAT? Oh, fantastic. All right, and uh, today, if you're new to the show, kind of how this uh, structure works is... We've just had a couple of expert interviews that we did the last uh, two episodes, and this is one of our deep dives where me and Freddie just kind of start off talking about the past couple of episodes. I get Freddie's take on what he thinks about them, uh, go down some rabbit holes if we find anything interesting, but then we can end up really going in any direction on the subjects we cover and just kind of hour, hour and a half of us uh, finding out what we think is interesting. And on the last two shows, Frey, did you did you listen to both of them? I listened to, yeah, I listened to the uh, Matt Lewis interview about nice. the uh, boat yep. in the Southern Ocean. And uh, then I did uh, read, well listen to the audio version of uh, the book on the China subject. Uh, yeah. And you, you listen, you listen to the, the interview first with Jeff. Yeah. I listened Jeff to the, yeah. the interview and then I'm like, I like this subject. So let's go see if I can get that book in uh, before we did this. So. Nice. So you just crammed that in over the past few days. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So uh, for anybody that hasn't listened to them yet, these are the last two interviews uh, shows we did. The last one was actually with investigative journalist Jeffrey Kane, who wrote a uh, just a, a very important, fascinating uh, nonfiction book called The Perfect Police State about how far advanced the uh, Chinese tech surveillance system is in the Xinjiang region of China. And it really is, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, strongly recommend you do because it is, uh, we're going to get into explaining some parts of it, but it's basically like a Black Mirror episode gone bad. <laughs> and it's, sorry, it's not some dystopian sci-fi horror show up in the future. It's there now. And that's the craziest part. Yep. And if people don't start to become aware of it, there are way too easy ways that it can spread out of Xinjiang and out of China to other parts of the world, almost inevitably. Yeah. 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 I mean, but before we get into that, which will probably be the bulk of the, the show, because that is such a fascinating topic, um, we do want to talk real quick about the prior show prior to that was with author Matt Lewis. And that's one thing I'm going to try to do is... is the show isn't always going to be about politics and stuff to, 
to bring in people with interesting stories or interesting topics. And Matt's didn't have anything to do with politics or uh, surveillance states at all. It was just simply he had a fascinating true life story about surviving a fishing vessel that sunk in the Southern Ocean off the coast of Antarctica back in uh, 1998. And um, yeah, so how do you like that one? Ah, I'm cold. Yeah. <laughs> just just thinking about that story yeah. that he told. I mean, it's uh, you once you let yourself get engulfed in the in the story and the way he's telling it. Uh, I mean, it's just it's nightmarish. Um, I was so there's a lot of things I was surprised about, but some of the things was like the uh, captain and the you know people up in the top of the boat when they started to you know come up and say hey you know there's things going maybe maybe some things are going wrong down here that they didn't get more of a response from you know yeah. I know that these are gritty you know seafaring men that have like thirty years under their belts and have seen everything under the sun as far as waves and you know never even blink an eye but at the same time having worked on boats before I know how seriously captains take, you know, yep. any type of emergency on a boat. So that part was, you know, one of the more shocking things to me that they're like, hey, there's, you know, a bunch of water in your boat. They're like, yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we got it. It's, it's fine. <laughs> it was weird. Like, uh, it. It's a better. That's also a an incredible book to to get. He does a really good job at uh, writing this true story account and goes into. You really get more of a sense of the 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 way from the very beginning when he was assigned to the boat. There's sort of an ominous feeling of like these guys are not. The you know well, the run with military the, precision. Even before that, the way he sets the stage of actually you know the Southern Ocean, because you know you you know you think you're on a boat and you just oh we're just a couple miles off of shore, you know yeah, just setting the stage for yourself to understand that you're maybe hundreds of miles away from any type life. Yeah. Or help, and and that's for people that haven't listened to the show yet. Uh, you, just to give it a, a kind of a quick summary to to catch you up so um so matt was 1998 was hired as a uh, scientific observer for a fishing vessel and out of the uk going down to uh south africa to get on a fishing vessel that was going to go on a months-long uh fishing journey down in the southern ocean which is that a huge body of water between where the end of like all the continents, uh, South America, uh, uh, Africa, Australia, where those all end. But before you get to Antarctica, <laughs> there's a big body of icy water that just there's nothing there except for like killer whales and and just it's like it's like deadliest catch minus anybody else <laughs> yeah <laughs> like well and you know what i found out about what makes it so dangerous which is pretty fascinating if you think of antarctica at the bottom of the the world uh -huh. and so it's just this landmass on the the bottom of the globe well the southern ocean which is kind of weird to think about but it encircles all of antarctica mm -hmm. on the very bottom so it's literally like there's no landmass in this 
uh, alleyway all around Antarctica mm-hmm. to there's no landmass to stop the winds yeah. or to stop the currents. Mm-hmm. So it's basically very susceptible to huge churning, uh, you know, storms. And so and what it he basically was describing at one point, and I think he did it even better in the books of, of how high the waves are like 30 foot swells and like 125 mile per hour wind gusts. That's like being in a going up and down the sides of <laughs> cliffs in a hurricane yeah. and all around you is just like icy water. And yeah, no one is within 200 miles to help you. And the nearest boat would be another fishing vessel that is like 10 hours away that maybe if you're in trouble, maybe they're going to find out about it. Maybe. Yeah. And then maybe they're going to be able to get to you and find so, you. So I have a question. I, I've been on you know, a boat with some pretty big swells. When you're measuring a 30-foot swell, isn't it from the water, the regular water level up, and then that's not really taking into account the dip of the way yeah, below. It's so something like I, 30 I have feet is about probably it. more like 60 yeah, feet. Yeah. If you're way, in the gully or yeah. in the divot, you're looking, you're literally looking up at a, at a wall of water. Yeah. I think that, I think that's right. I mean, I'm not positive if that's the way you measure, but yeah, because 30 feet doesn't sound that high, but the way they actually measure it, 30 feet. I think feet it's from is standing huge. water, yeah. like where the water yeah, level would sense. be, yeah. it's 30 feet above that. And then if you're 30 feet below that on yeah, the so dip of like the wave, 60 feet so it's like a 60 and, yeah. foot, you know, and it'll nuts. come, then it comes and it starts lifting your boat up and, you know, yeah. but yeah, that's the kind of thing that you, you sort of have to wrap your head around is that you can be staring out the front at a literal wall, just an only sea water. Yeah. All the way to the and top. And just knowing you're <laughs> in the, that, that was one thing I asked him because I was just like, there, there's got to be a moment where you're in that situation and the boat is starting to sink and then you just realize like holy shit i'm just like i am that person going down well, drowning you get in on, a- like in his case you know you get on and you're the scientist guy you're not really the boat guy there's a bunch of boat guys and they're fine until they're not and you know you sort of are just leaning on their experience and their uh, seamanship and their their years of having done it to you know rest your safety on and and sort of take that for granted that yeah it's scary but these guys are fine yeah, yeah. until until <laughs> the one one part of the story uh, which I thought was like hilarious and scary at the same time and insane at the same time was the the knife part the knife part where yeah the yeah, guy. Yeah. They're like, somehow, when it comes time, if there's an, uh, a situation <laughs> where you have to scuttle this boat and get on the life rafts, in the protocols is there's going to be a knife fight. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand where, <laughs> how this is like, okay, you know. I really get, and he did a very good job of describing this in the book. You get more of a sense of, okay, so when they were getting assigned <laughs> Which ships they were going to go on. Like, it's pretty funny or, uh, like, I don't know. It, it, it's fascinating to think about. He picked. They, they just had the two names of the ships. Him and one other guy that were hired. And they both they got to pick which ship yeah, they Yeah, he didn't want to learn Spanish. Yeah, and he didn't want to learn Spanish. So he picked 
the other the he picked the Sudar Habib, the one that he went on. Yeah. And then when he they get to South Africa and see the two ships, I've forgotten the name of the Spanish ship, but the, that uh, southern, ship, I thought it was the Southern Pride, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's right. <laughs> and um, but the way he describes it is basically like the Southern Pride is like this this really it's like huge two or nicely, three times bigger. Yeah, like nicely, like everybody <laughs> you know looks clean, yeah. looks like they're and then you know like ran with military <laughs> precision, and then the Sudar Havid, you get the feeling that it was just sort of like something out of like you know. Like the Ewoks and Star Wars, like of of just some uh, hulking, like rusty, you know, uh, half. Yeah, I guess it was like sort of dwarfed by the other boat sitting next to it, and you know, in newness and and cleanliness and size altogether. So that's he ended up on the smaller of the two, which is still a pretty big boat. Yeah, but 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 also then, yeah, I think they're instead of having all the protocols and the. The uh, the strict uh, management of the boat. Yeah, they they he didn't go into in the story, but in the in the interview, but in the book, he talks about so the Sudar Ravid had a uh, uh, captain in theory mm-hmm. that they hired this old Swedish dude that didn't speak any English, I don't think, and. Uh, he was officially the captain, and I think if I got it correct in the, the story, the book, he never – he was basically asleep the entire time, the captain. <laughs> so the, and he was literally only hired – he knew that he was hired just as a figurehead to yeah. have a captain on board. Yeah. So he literally never did anything and was like asleep down in the cabin, this like 60-something-year-old uh, Swedish guy. And then the ship was actually run – by the two guys, I've forgotten their uh, one of them was named Bubbles, and I've forgotten the other guy's name. And I think both of them passed away, but they were basically the the skipper, the the captain, de facto captain, and then the uh, the other guy, not Bubbles, but the other guy was the guy that handled all the fishing decisions. So yeah, so with the knife part, you know, they're saying that at some point, like. I don't know if it's just on this boat or if it's just seafaring knowledge at some point that if it gets to that life and death point, (laughs) there may be some sort of numbers problem with the life rafts. I don't under, I didn't understand that fully. Well, uh, that's where I think the different on the Southern pride. I don't think you would have had those instructions. I think they would have had like a, if, uh, and maybe rehearsed yeah, it, like it was, what you it did. It was one of his, uh, one of the guys that he was talking to or the, one of the people in the galley or yeah. something like that. That's like, just do you have your have knife a, on you? <laughs> just, yeah, you know, warned him to, to have a knife. When, it, when it, the water started getting like above his boot or something and he's like, he wanted to make sure that he had it ready yeah. to <laughs> fight, to knife fight, you know, as a protocol for getting yeah. on... The, one of the, the that's what I'm saying. Rafts. I think the Southern Pride probably had a different <laughs> protocol. Like they probably like had actual like rehearsals. Of but what imagine you do. you're on there and yeah. there's you know there's two feet of water in the boat sloshing around. Everything inside the boat is sloshing around. You know you're already in a bad situation. And then I I from the interview you you actually read the book. Did was there enough life rafts? Yes, but uh-huh. then there and there wasn't a knife fight. I know. However, yeah, I didn't hear about however, it in the interview. Yeah, two, either two or four people immediately jumped on one of the life rafts and just sailed off. 
Oh, so they just they, they took like a third of because each yeah. life raft was supposed to hold like I forgot like fifteen people or something yeah. enough for the entire crew. Right, like they actually had more than enough space on the life rafts, but one life raft malfunctioned. Yeah. Because they had some mechanical thing where they, when they were released, they would expand. Oh, and the okay. first one that Matt actually was one of the guys that got it undone. And there is the ship is going down like the first life raft pops out and they're all just waiting and it just slowly <laughs> bobs away well, yeah, without this is ever in, like, expanding. 30 foot seas yeah, yeah. at the same and time it, and howling winds and snow yeah. and freezing. The water temperature is below freezing. Like, Minus one degree. Yeah, and I think that's what uh, most of them died from. Actually, was when yeah, um, hyperthermia. Yeah, and and that's but but once the first life raft malfunctioned, uh-huh. and they lost that one, then I believe is when the second life raft, a couple of people that were supposed to be like senior leadership on the boat, yeah, they jumped in that life raft and just took off. <laughs> so, <laughs> if I've got the story right, so that was uh, so. Then they were down to two life rafts, yeah, for like all like thirty five people, which was two. Yeah, he said there yeah. was seventeen. I thought he said seventeen people in on his, his yeah. life raft, and that was like unfortunately his was the horrific one that when they first they got in the last life raft and he was actually the last guy off of the boat. Cause he was helping yeah. to sort of try to give some sort of like order to the whole thing <laughs> and help people get on the boat yeah. and uh, get on the life raft. And so he was the very last one off. And then I think the ship was going down far enough that the, it started somehow crushing the life raft as they were yeah, trying to get because away. because remember, it's, this is all happening yeah, in real time in a raging storm. Yeah. And the boat, yeah, the boat like moves over and maybe gets on top of the life raft and pushes some water. And so Because he said when they finally got free of it, there was two feet, a foot or two feet of water in the life raft yeah i think it was even more than that oh by he the said time, up to his like yeah cause waist because right? it was basically there were uh some of them died and there were dead bodies on that they were like yeah they tripping had a over. nescafe can to, yeah to try yeah. and evacuate water <laughs> yeah. from the, and uh they were using somebody's boot boot yeah, yeah. but it was all floppy yeah. and wasn't Ah, <laughs> so and the worst thing is that so they were only in the water for I want to say four hours, but, yeah, but that's the craziness time. of not they had no idea that the other boat had heard their distress call. Well, they didn't know if yeah. one had it, been put out, at, yeah, right? So you're exactly. sitting there yeah. with seventeen people, probably in the dark, because I don't think they brought any flares. No, they they had that to go bag but it was yeah, like, what, like whiskey some, and yeah whiskey <laughs> uh empty nescafe jar and like some yeah bubble gum or something uh, I don't know. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> and then yeah so you're in the it's oh it's it's mind-blowing like all the things that could go wrong and then part of the story that he was talking about was some of the safety issues on this boat where you know it's a there's if all these pumps they have like it was like four pumps four different pumps that either clogged up or malfunctioned, and then after that, there's these release-like holes in the boat that are supposed to evacuate the water yeah, on their somebody own. somebody had welded That shut. they had welded those, yeah. like, who, why? Yeah. <laughs> why did they, why did somebody weld those shut? 
you really get the sense that he was on like the Southern Pride with some huge, like you know, nice, sparkling, well-ran ocean liner, and then the Sudar Havid was basically like the, the Sanford, jalopy, yeah, the Sanford like. and Son truck yeah. with like junk falling off of it, and uh, so. Yeah, but you know, and the the sad part is that a lot of people died, like, and literally in front of them on the raft. Yeah, did so nobody died before getting onto the raft. They think I remember from the book the guy who was basically the de facto captain Bubbles, Mm -hmm. who actually oh he had a heart attack. Yeah, is bad as like some of his decisions it seems like might have been he probably actually did save their life in the end because he was the one that i think put out the distress call yeah he put out the distress call so if he hadn't yeah if he hadn't done that they would have all died Uh, absolutely yeah so i mean but yeah but i think he was potentially dying as they got him on the life raft but some of the people were probably like it is weird that like that many made it onto the life raft and then died in that short amount of time well it's the the temperatures we're talking about are just beyond extreme temperatures like i I know some of those survival suits you can last maybe i and i'm just guessing at the numbers but in an hour in the water yeah um with these full-on survival suits and then some of like he was describing some people like just had woken up had sweatpants on yeah and were just like and he didn't even have a full like survival suit on yeah he had it was like a medium medium i mean one that helped a lot with the uh, cold and the and the wet but didn't provide all of the protection that a full-on like you know survival suit would the ones they they have those on uh, deadliest catch they make them get into those um their drills when they're having man overboard drill or something and everybody's got to run throw on the suit they don't they don't do that on the suit are heavy apparently not no, no they just pass out they knives. just get your knife we're not gonna bother with that drill just get your knife yeah and then the part where he almost got stuck in the boat that was potentially the freakiest part for me because imagine just how like that I so resonated with. Like, you're trying to do what you think is the smart thing, and then all of a sudden you're stuck in some Yeah, because your brain has got to be room. both yeah. working at a million miles an hour, and at the same time you're trying to slowly and methodically do what you have, do the next thing and the next thing, and, and compartmentalize it. Yeah. And then the one thing that you do, you know, you get right, you get right is you get some supplies from your room and you get into the survival-ish suit and then the door the big giant what, metal yeah door. what he didn't what he didn't factor in was the sway of the boat yeah and it, so it swayed the wrong way yeah and then part of like as it was filling up with water that was part of the problem is it wouldn't come back up yeah and so it swayed over and then some massive metal door is is got all yeah, of gravity the, pulling down on yeah, it. Yeah, imagine if your house yeah. is tilted 35 degrees yeah. trying to open a door out upwards. Yeah. And it, it, being metal. a regular door is going to be hard yeah. enough if you can get to it yeah. even, if you can even manage to get, and then you won't have any leverage to put off, push off of. Yeah. And then imagine that door weighs, you know, 100 pounds <laughs> on top that of it. That was like... You, do you remember that? I know you heard that story uh, mis- that Mr. Ballin told on YouTube about the guy. I'll give you a refresher, but shout out anybody who's looking for a great YouTube channel, Mr. Ballin. 
if you love cool stories. But uh, this was one of his stories about a guy that got, I think it was a cruise ship that sank and it went upside down and the guy got trapped in the room. He woke up, I believe. He was down in the bottom of the boat asleep, woke up as it flipped over. So there was an air pocket and he's down in the bottom <laughs> of the boat, and the boat goes down in the ocean. Uh, he, and so he, he is, found him, right? Some the yeah, divers, I'm like sure a week later or something? I, at least or a week maybe, later. Yeah. It might have even been longer. But and this he could dude, hear sharks yes, eating had, the other passengers. Yes, and they would come into... And it's pitch black yeah, dark. Yeah, pitch black dark. And cold. Freezing cold <laughs> with like three feet of air to breathe in. Yeah. And you're in a room, and he would have to lift his legs up when the sharks came in looking for bodies. Yeah, and that went on for like a week. Yeah, then the divers the, finally yeah, get the down di- there. Yeah, the divers I so, think he so was like a, just retrie- they're on a retrieve not even rescue mission anymore, just retrieval mission yeah. to try and pick up whatever bodies the dead bodies or, that the sharks or, have, you been. know, um people's stuff that they can find from, you know, the the boat but and yeah, yeah and he's down there. <laughs> I need to find that dude and have him tell the, his yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. He is still. Uh, if anybody can find that guy, tell oh, him wow. the Independent Riot would like to interview him. That's a, yeah, because that is that's probably the most uh, like gave me the heebie-jeebies thinking of a situation that you would not want to be in more than a, any other that's story. So I've close. Heard. It's like a tie with like. The one guy in Florida when he was sleeping in his bed oh, the, and the, the sinkhole the sinkhole opened up under his bed and his entire room floor fell like into the earth and was swallowed up. I can't imagine like you you're already disoriented like as you're waking up. You think you're in a dream. You just your bed just falls out from underneath you and you're falling backwards probably <laughs> and then you get contorted into some weird position and you're awake but not awake yet and you can't see anything because yeah. it's pitch black dark. And then the earth starts filling in around you as you're trying to wake up and you can't move because you know like sand and dirt and gravel it's going to start filling up every little crevice and then the freakiest part is you wouldn't be able to see you can't rationally no you can't there's nothing that you can you know judge what's happening to you are you in a dream did you like when when would you ever think the floor did that guy live he died oh he's down there still he's still down there like i guess his brother could like at some point jumped out and looked down into the hole and could hear him yelling but couldn't get to him you know because he was still he was under the yeah. Just under the dirt somehow, but at the same time, the dirt's still caving in. Yeah. So if you jump down in there, you're not getting yeah, you're not yeah. getting out, and that was it. Like Ugh. they, I don't think they ever got him out. Yeah. Um. And it, but that that is, it. That's a close tie between the guy who down he the guy down there at the bottom has space so that's a pro yeah. but it's pillage back dark and freezing and he can hear sharks eating things you, and you it's would, a week-long yeah event you, you whereas would, this other one is like the guy you know, in probably, the sinkhole definitely had more like just sheer horror but i would i mean as far as intensity though you well, can't but move. I, but in a weird way, it would be too. Like I remember when I went skydiving, they yeah. explained like you're going to have sensory overload the yeah. first time you jump out of a plane. Like your brain just can't That'll just shut off. Yeah, it just basically it's too much. You yeah. can't process what is going on. And 
that would be like waking up in a sinkhole would kind of be like it would be so yeah you would be shrieking but you wouldn't even understand what was happening to us no and it would it it would be relatively quick even you know i'm guessing i'm just guessing maybe tops half an hour not even probably yeah, I mean, before you run enough, out of air or yeah. you get your lungs can't expand or dirt fills your nostrils i don't know yeah what horrible thing happens to you when that does but what if what if, what if there was an air pocket for him though and it took like oh a week God, and then the entire but time never get that. yeah but nobody ever and he can't hear anything and he's just the whole time that there trying to figure an out air pocket because yeah. that's you know it's, it's it's even more cruel. You would have to think you were, your brain would have you'd be thinking, but it like, could be because maybe like, the bed fell, the, flipped around yeah. on top of him, yeah, and he's under the bed. But the bed, Freddie, he could still be down there. How many years ago did this? What no, if it, this what was if it, like five, six? What if years there was ago? a family of rats he's been living off of, or something? Maybe the. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. He could still be down there uh, just no, no, wondering no, no, no. like why he's being punished. Ah, uh, now. Yeah. No, I'm just going to hope for his sake that uh, he didn't even wake up. What if up. there's a family of rats that have been bringing him no, occasionally yeah. meat no, and no. like the mother rat lets him drink her milk no, occasionally no, so no, he's no, stayed no, alive no. under the mattress no. for I'm gonna, 5 I'm years gonna, and I'm he gonna doesn't put a cork in him and say he he within 5 minutes uh, ran out of air. His brain ran out of air, and he just uh, peacefully went, moved on. Because I'm gonna say he was alive for three days. No, I think he was there's yeah, no three no, days. No, 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 no. And, yeah, bad, just shrieking, that's bad karma. Shrieking. Why? Why no. did you do this? So, to would me? you? Which would you pick? It depends. Well, we don't have enough information about how long the mattress guy, the sinkhole guy, was alive. Uh, let's give that's, him half an hour. I would probably oh, wait. What are we? You're not for getting what? out which of either worse, situation. Which is worse, or which would you yeah. rather? Which okay, you got to pick. Would you you're not getting die. out of either situation. Okay, and you got to pick one. Yeah, I'd probably take the sinkhole, just because, because it'd be sheer hour? terror, and it would be less. It would have to be less time. The guy on the boat, like I mean, that would just yeah a week around the, water. the fourth day Ugh. when you are. You're, so you're, tired. You're so hungry. So hungry. And you can't really drink the water. You can't, no, it's salt water. You yeah. can't drink anything. You can't eat anything. Yeah, that's torturous. And you just know the fucking sharks are coming back. Oh. And you can hear them. It's not over. Yeah, and it just never... It yeah. never ends, and then you got to make the decision. Because he had, if I remember that story right, he had made the decision he was going to let the sharks eat him. Like that night, he was about to give up. And just sink down into the water. And I mean, imagine that. And that's when the divers. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Not, no, no. You'd have to. You would have to mentally plan on drowning. Not. But how. Not you, let me yeah. get the sharks to eat. But, me. Yeah, yeah, because but, that's even just like another level. But dude. I don't think you can like drown yourself really that easy. Well, like, you could if you delve down and then, you know, to a point where you couldn't find the air again. Yeah. If there was a way to do that. Um, I would probably. You could try and find. There wouldn't be anything in the cabin, though. I was gonna say you could try and beat yourself unconscious, ah, but there's nothing in the cabin to bad beat yourself situations. with. Yes, you would have to. Ah, uh, you could, and you wouldn't even have anything to hang yourself. You wouldn't have anything to cut your wrist, and then you just hear the sharks eating for days. No, ah. yeah, that's a way. I mean, the sinkhole would be horrific, yeah. but it'd just be like 30 minutes of 
at like a going it off the worst roller coaster with the yeah. other way and the cold on top of everything else yeah. being wet and hungry and disoriented and awake yeah you know ah. And, th- and thinking to have time to think back all the times, like, God but damn then it, why did I take this job on this boat? Why but did then I- he yeah. got out yeah, of it. Yeah, that's the amazing That's the thing. crazier part. That's why I got to research who that guy was and invite him, see if he's still alive to invite him on the show. Yeah, so that almost happened to uh, Matt Lewis, is that? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that almost, but when he got, when he had, he almost got stuck with the door in his room getting yeah. supplies as they're trying to evacuate the boat. Yeah. He, um, but he almost, got out. He yeah. got out of that. And then I think the boat went back up briefly. So the door was able to open and that's yeah, when he ran slowly out. rolled to the yeah. other side where he's able yeah. to get out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But that's still uh, the worst part of his story would be, I think, being on the raft with yeah. everybody dying around you and not having any conception that anyone was coming. No. Knowing how you were in the middle of nowhere, your life raft was sinking. People were dying all around you and just having no conception that anybody could possibly come rescue you. <sighs> yeah, yeah, and then slowly it's getting quieter and quieter yeah, as, people as people are, are dying. just fading away and then yeah. sloshing around. Yeah, because there's still there's still a storm at this point, yeah, yeah, right? There's still yeah. like huge yeah. winds and yeah, because yeah. they were talking about trying to close the door yeah. of the raft or the. I, I'm trying to picture the raft in my head. Is this like a soft door? Or, or, yeah, or it's a like hard? a big life raft with like a canopy on oh, the top okay. stretch across the yeah, top. Inflated, so I think that's right? what, yeah. So I've seen those orangey looking boats yeah. that are sort of fiberglassed the yeah. whole thing, but not, not one of those. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, no, that despair would yeah. just be. And then the, the fact that you're up to your waste in water still yeah. on top of it. Yeah. Just in the middle of freaking nowhere. Yeah. That would, uh, That would be rough. Well, yeah, we should uh, encourage anybody, if you like survival stories, uh, go two episodes back and check out uh, the interview with Matt Lewis, because it definitely adds something hearing it directly from him. And then you can even pick up a copy of his book, Last Man Off. And uh, anything else you want to add on that that you thought was interesting? No, I was I was happy to hear that he you know turned it into a good situation you know with his daughter and you yeah, can yeah read the book that and was cool. find out about that but. yeah yeah that was a cool ending and uh, yeah so he is a super cool guy appreciate him talking to us and then now we can shift focus <laughs> to. Uh, how we're all going to uh, we're at, probably at some point we're gonna wish we were getting sank on a boat, <laughs> getting eaten by sharks. If the world keeps on going in the direction it is, because the future dystopian nightmare is already here, and what we're talking about is the last episode that strongly encourage you to go listen to after this is uh interview with investigative journalist jeffrey kane who has spent several years investigating authoritarian regimes and is actually snuck into north korea before uh gone to venezuela cuba iran all your greatest hits and uh but then it says nowhere in all of his travels compares to the awful surveillance surveillance state authoritarianism 
uh, technology-enabled situation going on in Xinjiang, China. So what are your initial thoughts after that, of uh, hearing that episode? Oh, that episode was... I kept having to remind myself that this isn't just a sci-fi movie you had me, you know, look into. (laughs) It's, it's... It's that part of my brain still doesn't wrap around that this is an actual place on this planet that he went to and these things are going on. And these, you know, I'll try and recap a little bit just so everybody knows sort of what we're talking about. It's it's the epitome of AI surveillance, like down to... The fact that there could be, you know, there's cameras, there's mandated cameras in your living room at some point, at one point, where you have a, a husband that is uh, prescribed by the state to be your husband, <laughs> so that you can't even at a family dinner, if you say the wrong thing, your husband might turn you in. Yeah. You know, so that his social credit score doesn't go down and he doesn't end up in an internment um, re-education, and I'm doing air quotes, camp, um, for not... Well, and to give people a perspective on how it all is that bad, or those scenarios develop, is a huge component of it is that they are, they integrated everything over the past few years, rapidly, where they've gone to digital currency and everything is basically done. You know, like in the United States, you've got a bunch of different apps now to do different things. You send money with Venmo app, you text uh, with a different app, you might date on Tinder, you go on Facebook to make social media posts. In China... What they started doing was a lot of those functions are uh, combined, I believe, in their version of uh, WeChat, I think it is. Yeah, WeChat. Yeah. And then, but then, so they've got a lot of that stuff consolidated, including all currency now, or almost all currency is on that. They tie that into what's called your social credit score, that basically is a ranking of all your activities as a human being on whether or not you're a good citizen. Yeah. And, and those, then, I mean, that goes down to the level of like jaywalking or, yeah. you know, like you opened the episode with picking out the wrong color. Sh- it, it almost, it goes to minority report where yeah. when the well, AI starts tabulating data to the point where it thinks that you are a good there's a good chance that you might think of doing something that is against yep. the state that they'll just come and, and that's, pick you up. Yeah, that's how horrific the whole thing's gotten with the AI now component, which I think has just gone live over the past couple of years, is that it's horrific enough if everybody is watching everything you do and judging you. There's a score, and then there's negative ramifications. But now the artificial intelligence will predict even if your score's going to drop or if you're going to be a problem and they'll arrest you or take you away for that. So there's like a constant, there's like... Yeah, they're not even waiting for you to say the wrong thing. Yeah. If the a, 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 accumulation of the last 
10 suspect acts or motions equals you are now on their list of somebody that's uh, untrustworthy. Yeah. That's the the rankings are trustworthy and untrustworthy. And did did you end up uh, going through his whole book? I went through the whole book. Okay. Do you remember the story? The one that jumped out for me was uh, the story. And Jeff does a fantastic job of actually, like, interviewing people that have escaped the Xinjiang region of China and hearing their stories and telling about the surveillance state through their eyes, basically, or through the interviews he does with them. One of them is this woman named Maysim. Mm-hmm. And what I l- not liked is probably the wrong word, but what was <laughs> fascinating to me about her story was it showed the progression of, because that's where she got into slowly, and she was a Uyghur Muslim, and just to give uh, catch anybody up who doesn't know what's going on in Xinjiang, Xinjiang's the the region in, I believe, western China where there are a lot of minorities as far as Uyghur Muslims who are not considered traditional Han Chinese, uh, even though they're born in China and live there all their lives. They're still sort of considered outcasts. But because the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, basically sees anything that is a different ideology from them as a threat to the government, then uh, this is the same area that they persecute the Falun Gong, yeah. uh, which we did. That There's also an episode we did on Chinese organ harvesting from probably back like 10 episodes ago that you might want to check anybody check that out as well, because that's about what's happening to the Falun Gong and which I did want to talk the parallels between the, like the information all lines up just more data on, that yeah. if you plug it into the system, which I'm sure there's a version of this where that plugs into the system, your DNA and yeah, your age absolutely. and your height. They, and, well, they're doing know. all of that yeah. for all of it. And that's what was cool about Maysim's story is she was, a Uyghur Muslim born in Xinjiang, in that region. But then because she read a lot of books and she traveled overseas and wanted to like travel internationally and get her master's degree, I believe, in Turkey and stuff, mm-hmm. she went from being a quote-unquote acceptable citizen to becoming trust untrustworthy. So you got to see the progression of all those things of how they slowly every step she basically takes to expand her mind or expose herself to new locations or new ideas through reading or traveling that makes her register as more and more untrustworthy in their eyes in every step. Then she would get progressively more attention from the Chinese Communist Party, from the state, and they would ratchet up all those things to where then they were starting to have people show up to her house, like the woman who would check on it, like she did. Well, that was one of the parts of them. Like, it was kind of the Brave New World uh, 1984 sort of framework where there's an AI version, uh, portion of it, and then there's the human or the people portion of it, which they're all compartmentalized to the point where they all are if uh if I did something wrong and I was in a platoon and they made all of the rest of the platoon suffer for the you know for my you know transgression, this is kind of like what they did and extrapolate that on your you know they put your neighbors in a at your blocks of ten and 
they literally, if you were late for work and because your alarm didn't go off and your neighbor didn't report you leaving the house on time, their score would yep. suffer. If if the third neighbor over did report you, their score would go up. The other neighbor would be asked why they didn't report. Yeah. Their score would go down, and your score yeah, would plummet it, because you didn't go to work on time because you're a lot That's the it, worst part of the entire thing is so because— so they sick everybody on everybody yeah, else. And you can see how easily that would develop. It's already happening. Yeah, it's already almost here in the you U.S., can, people just voluntarily doing well, it. Well, it's the beginnings. Like, that, that's what— it, they, She's at the beginning of the interview. He, he kind of goes through how and and of the book how it didn't start this way. It was just it's like one step at a time, yeah. you know, a little freedom here and a little freedom there. And for me, it's like a, a wave that crashes on the beach. It goes way up and then it slowly comes back. But with it, it takes a little bit of sand. Yeah, you know. And the next wave comes, and then they're like, "Oh, we want all this freedom. Oh no, you can't have it. Oh, okay, we'll back off." But it'll take a little little yeah. piece of freedom with it on the way out. And that's – it seems like nothing happened, but, you know, fast forward 10 or 20 years and half the beach is missing. Yeah. And half your freedom is missing and or all of it in this case. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's just And when I mean so, all of it, I mean yeah. you your thoughts in your head are not your own to have anymore. No. Well, that's what the Maysim woman talked about, how she – once it went so far – with her progressively being viewed as more untrustworthy. And then so like the first incident, they took her down for an afternoon, kind of scared her, whatever. Then the next incident, then she's taken, you know, goes for a week to a re-education camp or what. Every time it gets more progressively worse, people turn on her more because then like you were just talking about, their score goes up. And you can't blame them either. And that's the worst part. part. You're like, well, these are horrible people. It's not that case. And honestly, you can see it happening here now just with the mask, for example. People just, they come in, you come into the store and they're like, you got to put on a mask. But, you know, it's not because they themselves want you to wear the mask. It's because their boss told them that they have to tell you to wear the mask. Yeah. And it's just that to the nth degree but everybody is just trying to save their own hide and down to the family level where kids will go to school and come back and report their parents if they object to something that they got taught in school that their parents maybe looked at them the wrong way about yeah then they go to school and tell their teacher and then all of a sudden there's somebody on their doorstep can you imagine when uh, – And this was, is this is not the movie. This yeah. is actually happening. <laughs> yeah, this is happening, and this isn't going to happen in the future. This is happening it's, now. Yeah, right in now. In Xinjiang. Yeah. yeah. And that's – the. can you imagine the – I think it was the Maysim person that they installed cameras in her house. Once they had her yeah. trustworthiness score had dropped low enough – they installed cameras. She in had her to go house. out and buy her own cameras. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they don't and come in. It's not like you yeah. know, uh, the cable service comes and they're like, "Oh, we're here to install cameras." No, you go tonight and go and get cameras and hook them up. Here's the instructions. That just can you or imagine? Never somebody able knocks to be on your anywhere. door and we're like, "We heard your uh, your your rooms were painted blue. They need yeah. to be painted red yeah, by blue, tomorrow." Blue is but not a good color. Paint, yeah, get it done. Yeah. That's it. I mean, or. You go to a, a camp, like, yeah. and maybe don't come back, or maybe come back for three months later, yeah. or maybe don't come back at all. And one one thing I I was gonna point out is that so the 
the prior episode I did on the Chinese organ harvesting. Yeah. That was primarily by an activist who uh, was pointing out that it was happening to the Falun Gong spiritual group, yep. which is basically as much as I, I can tell that they basically do yoga mm-hmm. is the but and eat healthy. Yeah. But China labels them as a cult uh, because they're have a different philosophy than the Chinese Communist Party. Mm-hmm. But they, along with the Uyghurs, but the interesting thing to me was the uh, there's a book called The Slaughter by uh, Ethan Gut- Gutman mm-hmm. uh, that I read about the Chinese harvesting thing. The, uh, the descriptions, because what Ethan Gutman did was interview a lot of Falun Gong who had escaped from uh-huh. China. The descriptions of... The concentration camps were almost identical yeah, the from the chair. people, the tiger chair, even what the hallways look like yeah. in the. So either this is to me, that was like, OK, so either that is absolutely accurate. What is going on? Because you're getting it from completely different sources. Yeah. Or, yeah, there's some conspiracy to like which you'll get people now. This is what. Uh, cracks me up a little bit as you'll get people that are even for us just talking about this somehow we'll say that we're racist against Chinese people and we're trying to to scare people against China I've heard even some libertarians talk about this that were that like if you talk in this way you're you're basically advocating for war against China <laughs> so, or trying to help this the military. This is all just fact-based yeah. Yeah, talking. And it, which is, it's none of that. And and more importantly, it can't be racist against Chinese people because who they're doing it to is Chinese people. Yeah. it's The Falun Gong are almost all Chinese. So that, that argument doesn't even make sense because you're trying to help and the it, Chinese people that are being The scarier persecuted. thing for me is that it starts off in a really cool place. Like, oh, here's some – look at all this technology that's going to be able to make your life so much easier yeah. and so much faster. And, you know, look at look at just bowing down and helping you with every, everything and anything. You don't have to think as much. You can just go – and I, this, I saw this uh, on the Super Bowl, the uh, commercial for Sam's Club with Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where he's just, you know, in the store, just scanning stuff, putting it in his cart, and then uh, you just show uh, – a QR code on the way out, and you know you're done. That sounds sounds all. It makes I save so much time, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. But it's just data, yeah. and when it with the data, if it's it, it can be, and it can, and it can be really helpful. <laughs> and at the same time, if it turns on you, or if somebody turns it on you, it's there's nowhere to go. All of the I hope to God some people start to find a way to make this argument more accessible to the average person. But every time people need to start thinking about the fact that every time you are opting for convenience or safety, you've got to think what that's doing to your potential freedom, your potential liberty, because every time you're opting for safety or convenience, if it involves giving the control your autonomy to some other entity you are getting into scary sketchy ground and because it's, you- it can, it's not gonna it can start off great and that's the thing oh, yeah. is it does start off well that's great. why it works it, it does. starts off great and then it slowly just turns and then you just sort of get 
you know, you get labeled the people that are with us and then maybe the people that are not with us. Yeah. And once you start going down the not with us road, and that's the other part about their, their system over there. You don't know what you're in trouble for. They're just yeah. randomly. The you get taken. Yeah. It's just, and that's part yeah. of the system is that everybody, nobody knows because that if way they did it, something wrong or what they might have done wrong. And so then you that can't, paranoia and fear enforces the turning on each other. Yeah. Because you it's know like a, the only way you have safety. Box. Yeah. The only way you have safety is you know that if I turn you in, then that at least makes me safer. Yeah, you got to yeah. step on people to get to the top to yeah. try and save yourself, and you do, still don't even know what you're yeah. saving. All yourself you can go from. off of your your ranking, your whether you're if it tells you you're trustworthy when you push grandma downstairs, yeah. then all of a sudden you're like, okay, okay, thank God, thank yeah. God, let and me find yet, another old lady to push down the stairs so they don't come. It's just a matter me. of time because complying isn't even any better because at the end you're a slave in your own mind who you've complied yourself all the way into you can't have a thought yeah with well, you, freely well, the, the only people and this is a, like another way to, to to hopefully hit home with the, the the reality of the situation i was trying to think like how do you quickly summarize this to somebody that's not really thinking about it or doesn't have a lot of information on of like what's a scenario that they could relate to the minority and, report movie was yeah pretty good. well I, w- I was even thinking of like because but even that didn't seem as uh, restrictive as as, no, as no. this book yeah well the, the what i was thinking of is because you and i and in, in our both of our uh lives have worked in uh restaurants and bars before yeah and like uh imagine the worst restaurant manager you've ever had like micromanaging you where they want to know everything you do and how, and how, how that fucks everything up is basically with somebody looking over your shoulder, trying to tell you how to do everything in your job. But then yeah, that, and you, and you know, from like who those people are, mm-hmm. they get those jobs. A, they're always kind of dumb yeah, because they're like, they're the ones that the system promotes to, to be in that sort of Gestapo role. Yeah. You got to be kind you can't be that smart because you, they don't want people to question things. And then also they've got that personality where they really like telling people what to do. Yeah. So imagine that person that's not that bright and has an authoritarian vibe already. Then instead of you at least getting to leave work and think like, fuck, I hate that job. I got to get a new job. That person goes home with you and there's no new job to get. And they go home with you and then manage your entire life or always looking over your shoulder, telling you what to eat, when to sleep, how to dress. Not even when to sleep because in the story, she had a husband that was given to her by the state and he, according to the rules, was able to do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted to when they were in bed. So if she didn't, you know, if he didn't want her to sleep, then she wasn't sleeping. Yeah. But she can't say anything. Yeah, that's why it's just like it's your worst managerial it's, nightmare that never that it manages all and the, aspects and the, of your the life. thing you're talking about it's like yeah some of them are dumb some of maybe some of the enforcer cops or might be you know sort of thuggish but even a super intelligent person there's no way you're getting out of this system oh, no, because no. you don't know who to trust yeah like you can Literally, they're they're looking at your facial expressions as if you had yeah. a thought that might be 
untrustworthy. Yeah. And if the algorithm says, well, that the way he lifted his eyebrows yeah. makes us think that he might be having a thought that he needs to be re-educated for, then they, the light goes off and the Somebody comes and gets a knock on your door, and then and that's come why I think, that, I think they were talking about how the Uyghurs, like lots of them, uh, get very good at conveying like peaceful, happy faces. Well, they just all. get numb. You, you they become don't like to... she was talking about the the robots were the people, or the computers were the people, and the people were the com- robots at some point because you couldn't have feelings or thoughts other than what they tell you to think or say. And it's all like, you know, the country is great. I love this country. I'm so happy I'm being taught all this stuff, you know. And you have to say it in a convincing manner because if you say it sarcastically, you're in a chair tied out in the sun for eight hours. Yeah. Um, it's it's frightening. <laughs> and, it, and the thing is, if you are in that scenario, there's literally no escape. Because no. There's no I'm you trying don't to think have, of how you – You don't have the – since everything's digital – and everything requires, like, if you wanted to get a taxi yeah, they have cab. Yeah, QR codes on your yeah. house of when you get home or when you leave. Yeah. You know, the the they put up cameras in every section of this city. Like, every little nook and cranny has uh, cameras with uh, night vision and thermo cameras. And, it, and like, yeah, whatever, like, you're... Oh, the, uh, did you see, you remember the part where the cops are wearing glasses that Oh, identify yeah, like you terminator like terminator like heads up display like iron man remember yeah. he had all the stats and stuff yeah. happening in front of his view yeah. like that's what they have they and it, so they would immediately say identify with oh the that guy's rec- an like, untrustworthy yeah. you know yeah he comes up as untrustworthy why you can't you know yeah so you're commit. not allowed to go to get in the, the taxi cab because you're untrustworthy. So yeah, or you, you don't have yeah. to somebody yeah. who was untrustworthy. The AI saw that, and then now all of a sudden you're untrustworthy. And you might not have known that, that person was untrustworthy to yeah. talk to. But it's that's the whole mindfuck is that it's you don't know what you're doing wrong. It's like a, you don't have any of the rules other than do what we say. Yeah. And even if you do what they say, they still take people disappear. Now, all right, so one thing that this is so horrific, and it's fascinated me ever since I started finding out about the Chinese organ harvesting thing, which just to quickly catch people up on that, again, go listen to the full interview with uh, Mitchell Gerber, who's an activist trying to raise awareness about the Chinese organ harvesting thing of the Falun Gong. But that basically, who the Falun Gong are also in Xinjiang. It, so they're subject to all the same stuff. But in that book, uh, Ethan Gutman's book about it, they go into more detail of what they're doing when they pick up the Uyghurs or the Falun Gong and take them to these uh, re-education camps is they do an entire uh, like biometric analysis of them from getting their DNA to getting all their biometrics and stuff, which helps them to be identified later on. Uh, by the AI, the AI and all the surveillance equipment, but then what it's uh, there's a lot of evidence that's doing is that is matching you up in their donor base of mm. organs, so that if a rich uh, guy from the Middle East needs a sudden kidney transplant, then they can contact the representatives in China and they go, okay. 
they will schedule you to come to Xinjiang hmm. and go to the hospital. And then, and this is a story from the, uh, that past episode. They literally, so a, a thing with organ, uh, transplants is it's got to be done very quick. That's yeah. why, like, you see all the time, like, when, uh, uh, people die in car wrecks or whatever. Then if they're organ donors, they try to get their organs and put them on ice and race them to the the person getting the transplant. Yeah. And that's why you're on a transplant list. Well, there's a, a funny thing that goes on in China. You don't need to be on the wait list and there's no rushing. They can pre-schedule your so organ somehow t- happens to be yeah, available. Yeah, it just happens to be available where you can say like a month out, yeah, I want my new kidneys on this date. And they're like, yeah, sure. That's just book cool. the flight. Yeah, well, five-star treatment. Come here. We'll have them for you. And then there's even a story of a guy who went to get his new kidneys and they uh, came out to him the day of his surgery and brought out two kidneys and somehow did the testing to see if it was going to work. And they're like, whoops. <laughs> These are the wrong ones. <laughs> and, oh and they God. scheduled him for the next day. He Ew. came back and they had the right kidney match at that time. But basically what they're doing with the entire database is they're pre-matching or have an entire database of, of matches for people that need organs. And then they literally, with the Falun Gong, there's many stories of them literally just uh, basically like murdering people on an operating table and cutting out their organs as they're laying there. And then they just harvest all of their organs. And, and it sounds, that also sounds like complete sci-fi dystopian horror. You must've got that that from a horror movie, Jim. (laughs) It couldn't be true, but read the book, the slaughter by Ethan Gutman. And there's a lot of evidence that like, there's it's happening. I mm. swear to some degree. And so what you're saying is that the health passports we should probably Oh yeah, we got to take yeah, a second gonna, look at no, those. No, no, we got to do that. That's oh. going to be so convenient. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's going to be Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe but, Don't get it wrong. But what if gotta, they don't let you into the grocery store because your health my, passport says that you're our untrustworthy. Co- that's for our collective good. That's the oh that was yeah. the theme. And yeah. that was a theme that everything was for your safety or your the good of the whole. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. That's that's how everything is drilled classic, in that it's that's classic what, communism for the good of the whole. Just some animals are more equal than others, it turns out. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I I remember back when uh when we had the Republican National Convention here in Tampa, and I remember they – do you remember they put all those cameras downtown? Yeah. And I'm like – I mean, they spent like millions and millions of dollars like from the, you know, the fund for the convention. And I'm like, oh, this is this is cool. And I'm like, look at all the extra tech we're going to get. It's going to be so safe. Every time I see shit like it's, that for it's years, be, <laughs> I've just been like, oh. It's going to be so safe. Like, yeah. this, is, this is such a good idea. <laughs> I'm so rethinking that. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have had like spines going up, uh, shivers going up my spine ever since the Patriot Act. That was like back after uh, 9-11 was when I was just like, uh, this is not, why does no one care that they're looking at your data and eavesdropping without due process? Like nobody gives a shit. This is not good. Uh, 
so to just extrapolate this out, I mean, there's versions of things, and you can look up some of the patents, but they have a patent from uh, Bill, Bill Gates or one um, patent number. It has 060606 in it. I can give you uh, – maybe we'll put it at the bottom of the video. But it's for a, a cryptocurrency that is based on your uh, biometric activity. Oh, sure. So once your health passport is all connected and they've got your DNA yeah. and you're all vaxxed up with whatever graphene they need to make yeah. this so to connect your you to monthly, the Wi-Fi. Your monthly shots. So yeah. imagine what they're talking – and these people are not uh, – you know, don't have in their bloodstream where they connect directly via Wi-Fi to the 5G system. Yeah. There's patents – for that type of thing where you will earn cryptocurrency based on your biometric movement or whatever, you know, which is going to be completely programmable. So, Jim, I need you to go to this uh, coal mine uh, at 9 a.m. tomorrow, and I need you to be there for 10 hours. And they're going to know, <laughs> based on these patents, that you did or did not go, you worked or didn't work. They know when you're sleeping. They know yeah. what your heart rate is. They know if you're fearful. Based on all this data that is you're emanating out to the cloud. Yeah. So just add this whole book. There's a whole nother level oh, to yeah. this that I'm can sure. come. And that actually doesn't like like mind control stuff seems like a little far fetched for not, me. Not but, mind control. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That doesn't actually seem that far fetched from like what would be feasible. No, there's to, a patent because there's patents yeah. for these type things. Yeah, I mean the the to have the technology because like yeah, nano size computers is not that far off from being a no. But reality. and and that's and, what I'm thinking as I'm listening to this book. How completely horrific it is, and yet. These people still don't have nanobots or nano. They're yeah. not fully wired in <laughs> to the system, like well, where you can never. You yeah. can't even think of it because if you think of escaping, your heart rate will go up, yeah. and then the AI will notice that your heart rate is yeah. abnormally high, and maybe will ask you what you're thinking or know what you're thinking oh, and send the police God. to you. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> just, I just had to worst, kick it up to the. Yeah. The, the, worst, the worst part, though, is the whole boiling frog scenario is that everybody, you can just... Well, Kevin could, Hart is yeah. scanning his groceries at yeah. Sam's Club easily, yeah. Jim. Yeah. And he can just and sort can of just, walk out with him. And it's I remember so talking to a buddy of mine back, like, because again, for some reason, like, I'm just such a, uh, like my autonomy yeah. so much that it just, this... Always has every infringement of like civil rights or liberty, like always strikes me like as, oh, what's going on? Why is that? They, why are they doing this? Remember talking back when the shortly after the Patriot, Patriot Act was passed or one of those iterations where they found out like they were even way abusing the Patriot Act yeah. came out. Uh, a buddy of mine, I was talking to him about using gps as like uh as like yeah you really shouldn't like at least turn off the gps when you're not using it like don't just give them data all the time on you and his response was but yeah like that's gonna take an extra step before i can find a starbucks 
to get a latte. <laughs> yeah. And that mindset is going to be what enslaves all of us. Is the um, uh, Americans or just people in general just thinking like, but I don't want to take that one second and make things slightly less convenient for me. I will. I, I want the convenience needs all the time so much. And that is how all of this shit is going to be fueled. And it's just so ironic. The what people are trying to get is more convenience to give them more freedom. And they're entrapping themselves more and more with every time they make a decision to do that. Yeah, the patent number, I think if you wanted to look it up for yourself, was WO-2020-0606. Just for anybody who wants to go look at it. Satan's blood? Is that the name? No, this is the one with the with the cryptocurrency. Yeah. The cryptocurrency biometric. I was just wondering with the six 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 if they that's just a coincidence. (laughs) That's you don't have to worry about that. But yeah, it's kind of funny that that's what the patent number is. (laughs) If I mean, you know, just that aside, I just the the fact that you're gonna hook up yourself to uh the 5G or to the network and be able to be awarded crypto based on your, on well, your physical then, activity. Then, and the crypto will give you discounts on lattes. And everyone will say, this is amazing. Give me the injections because I want cheaper lattes. And it's, it's, it is going to sound awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the part. Well, that, that, that's the ironic thing is it's going to sound like it's going to make your life more convenient, more easy, which then people think will make them more free. And the reality is that it will absolutely make you less free. And but it, it could just, make you more if, if if there was no evil in the world. Yeah, well, there's a quote uh, I recently heard of uh, from Lenin, I believe, mm-hmm. like when he was trying to get the Soviet state started in Russia, that his uh, he said in regards to capitalism, yeah, he said the West will give us the rope to hang them with, mm-hmm. meaning that the capitalism pe- capitalistics uh, system, it's it, both its. Uh, its fuel and power comes from the individual greed, basically, that drives it. Yeah. It that spurs all the good stuff, innovation and all of the hard work and all that to get ahead. Yeah. But those are the same things that can be used then to entrap the populace and basically to self destruct is because that if that is basically if there's no underlying this is where I think in a weird way that like uh, religion does become important is because there's got to be an underlying set of principles that override the capitalism mm. part of it. And if you lose that, which in modern society we kind of are, then everything just becomes about self-fulfillment. Yeah. And superficiality and all the most base human instincts. There's only two that. ways out of this, Jim. And I was trying, thinking as hard as I could possibly think how this could not happen eventually. Like well, maybe how, if you're lucky and uh, you wake up in a sinkhole tomorrow with a mattress well, on your bes- head. Yeah, besides, besides that, I guess that would be a way out of it. 
Um, but uh, you, one was uh, Solar Flash, which we've all yeah, yeah. you know Solar said, Flare. hey, yeah. you know maybe yeah. that's the best big, idea because I'm that would take out all the electronics. Yeah, that's been my entire point. That's why I'm and, and so, so there's excited always that. for Solar Flares. Um, but besides that, that would reset would, us back to like the 1800s, yeah. and I would be so happy with and that. And you would have to start, you know, again. You could with start the, a farm. You could start like I mean, trading chickens. Yeah, yeah. For, Technology would come back faster than the last time, yeah. but you would at least have one generation. You'd and have then, a fighting chance. Yeah, and that would give people time to discuss things maybe and say, hey, maybe we don't need all of that. Maybe we don't need the latte in under 10 seconds. Yeah, so the, yeah, the yeah, like, the solar flash is one way. Or uh, if you have a benevolent quantum AI on your side that yeah. can battle the other AI for that, you. That's, well, and that, but you're still at the mercy yeah. of uh, you know the thing that's smarter than you. Yeah, and that. But the it's issue, that's the only thing that can. Yeah, the deal issue with, with a, that also though is I think then if you make the AI as benevolent of a dictator as you can mm-hmm. and as smart as you can then that probably is a scenario where there it quickly figures out there's x number of ideal numbers of humans on the limited space of the earth and then like i think that's the scenario what happened in logan's run the sci-fi movie from the seven like basically like everyone has to report for getting euthanized yeah when they turn 30 years old or something. Yeah, it would. You can't it might come o- down to uh, some ca- calculation of math at yeah. some point, but that would you would also be assuming you'd have to assume that it's a the plane you're on is a ne- uh, uh, finite. So yeah. that you're making that assumption that it, that the plane we're on is a finite plane, and maybe yeah. there's a version where this is a hologram, or it's, you yeah. know, because you don't run out of real estate in a, a video game. Yeah, but I mean, you would have to program the AI. Uh, I'm saying you'd have to. Set it uh, like I mean, you know, the AI would be working operating on some yeah. underlying theory. It would like because so you can't just magically no, it say it. Programmed, yeah, you can't just magically expect Maybe it, it starts to be programming itself at some point. Yeah, but I mean, then, but that's what I'm saying is how does it. Yeah, maybe you're, it finds out for us that we're in yeah, a hologram. Yeah, well, you're just sort of then just hoping this all-powerful yeah, thing I mean, has a spiritual awakening. I really and, yeah. I had to stretch to find yeah. us a way out of this yeah, that's it. <laughs> then there was, and That's yeah, all I came yeah, up I with. Solar Flare is I mean, so much cleaner. I gave you cleaner. the one, the Solar Flare. Yeah, that's yeah. probably one of your best yeah, bets. And then so uh, much cleaner. You know, your wild I card. I understand it. Yeah. Your wild card is a benevolent. If you yeah. have another version where we, besides but, your sinkhole, you can okay, climb into your sinkhole. And this actually dovetails in well with a point I wanted to bring up is okay, of who would program the benevolent AI dictator to save us from the evil Chinese AI dictator. Mm-hmm. Though all those people suck. Mm. And even if you look at the best case scenario, like and this is where there's a guy named um Peter Schweitzer, who has written uh, a book called Red Handed that just came out a few weeks ago that I really want to read. I've heard a couple interviews with him, and I've heard of him before, although I haven't listened to a lot of his stuff because he tends to, to you know, take a, a pretty strong uh, right-wing political stance on a lot of stuff, but that doesn't mean... I mean, some stuff I agree with him, some stuff I don't from what I've seen, but... Um, 
But this, he seems to be have a an extremely good grasp of of the the red handed part is a uh, analysis of how China is getting away with what it's doing, mm-hmm. the business interest, and I want to read his book to be able to uh, talk more like encompass all of like the the argument that he's making. But it's basically from. I think the one belt one road initiative yeah. that China came out with a lot like it's it's all of these uh, economies now are so tied in with China yeah that everything they basically there's no way they can take a principled stand against China yeah and the worst part is that all those tech companies who would be programming the AI primarily think like Google Facebook. Yeah. Like, I mean, they've They're all, already in bed. Yeah, already in bed to the degree which I didn't get by listening to Peter Schweitzer talk about this on an a interview. He has stories of uh, that Mark Zuckerberg has a book of President Xi's uh, speeches, mm-hmm. the president of China, his speeches that he forces his employees to read. Yeah. Because. Mark Zuckerberg is so enamored with the top-down authoritarian model of how China operates. Yep. And uh, Peter Schweitzer came up with a really interesting point that I'd never heard of before. That when, so you would think like that it's almost like a, your gut instinct is to want to say like, oh, well, that's uh, Mark Zuckerberg is a communist then. Or the guy, the the Indian dude that runs, I forgot his name, that runs Google is a communist. They're not even really communist. But the mindset, you've got to think of people that are heavily into tech and think of programmers. Yeah. What they're doing is trying, by the nature of their very work and thinking, they're trying to create an airtight system yeah. that logically functions in all aspects that they are in control of because they're trying to dictate to make it like a utopia that dove that thinking is basically the same as communism. The same does tries to achieve all the same things. So they're naturally, even if you ask them and they might even like uh, actually reject and say, well, hell no, I'm not a communism, but uh, I'm not a communist. But then you'd say, but do you want to create a reality where you control everything and you completely understand and have all logical control over all of the components all the time so you can dictate what is good or not? They'd be like, yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah, and I guess in their version, that never changes. <laughs> yeah. Nothing no, that lasts, that, in, my, in my head, that probably lasts about 15 minutes before they been over encompassed and but yeah well but you gotta think to be unnecessary yeah but you gotta think they're they these are people also that have been winning at oh, yeah. doing it so no, they're followed back yeah. when i was trying to tell you i was trying to explain my theory of that there's you know the new world order and why would these companies be going against profit and against what would normally in a normal society be a prof, you know, they're doing anti-profit moves. Yeah. You know, what would be pushing them to do this? Well, if you're on the list of at the end when, you know, this uh, system is in place, if you are 
you know, told, oh, well, you'll be given favor yeah. <laughs> for completing this task and, <laughs> and converting your workforce to X, Y, or Z. I'm like, in my back of my head, I'm like, all right, that would be a motivation to go against, you know, pure profit in the short term to supposedly later down the road be one of the favored companies, yeah, well, you know? But also, like, and I think, again, this was uh, Peter Schweitzer's interview, but he was talking about the fact, which I never, I mean, it's hard to understand the scale of China's economy, potential economy compared to ours. But he he pointed out this fact as far as like the uh, where you're saying of going against immediate economic benefit. Yeah. The reality is he pointed out that there are more English speaking NBA fans in China mm-hmm. than the population of the United States, the okay. entire population of the United States. There's more. Yeah. English-speaking NBA I, uh, fans living in Ch- – and, uh, I mean, Chinese people that speak English can – No, and so you're saying that it, the you think scale, it looks like it's against yeah, profit, but, the, but it's not. Because the scale is so insanely in China's favor. Like, there was another Which thing that – Which is just I, as scary, yeah. uh, you know. And that's what one of the things I've been noticing is, like, the – in the elections, it doesn't seem like they need your vote anymore, and they don't care about pissing you oh, off no. anymore. What? So that's on one side. And then at the same time, it doesn't seem like companies care about your money anymore either, yeah. <laughs> like or your you know patronage. And I think that is – that's why I'm excited to read this book, Red Handed, and see, because I think that's where he's going to be going with it, is showing in this investigation the – ties between china and the u.s of like that that dwarfs now so much the influence and all of wall street all like all of the big uh investment firms and investment banks and private equity firms like uh, blackrock or goldman Sachs or i mean whoever they are all so already in tied with China. Well, yeah, BlackRock yeah. is yeah. all of the firms. And then there's, on the private side, Vanguard. It's Vanguard and BlackRock, and, which are one in the same, and they own everything. Yeah, and then and then when you talk at Silicon Valley, yeah. all of the tech firms yeah. are also, they are developing, speaking of AI, uh, Google yeah. is developing AI systems with Chinese professors in China. Yeah. Which, obviously, they're working for the Chinese government because everyone works for the Chinese government in China. There's no... In the the New World Order structure, the new version of the Klaus Schwab version of it, China is the model for the world, the the one world thing. And I think that's the, the reality is the scary thing, like what I was just mentioning about their mindset is the... Those uh, heads of those tech companies that are the ones that are have the closest ability to create AI yeah. are they're not thinking in terms really of uh, nationalism of China and no. the U.S. One's good, one's bad. Like blah, I blah, better blah. get my spot ready. <laughs> I don't even think they think in that way so much as they just think there's a whole evolutionary thing. That this with tech is well, the, the new agendas. Yeah, is well, I mean, it's, it's basically after, like they're thinking after the end. Okay, we're going to make a perfect world. Yeah, and the communist model 
matches the most to that in in theory. It doesn't work in practice. No, but it in sounds theory, yeah. perfect. And, but that, and they're like tinkering and just amazing. like, okay, if we can if we can just get the calculation right, yeah. it'll all work. Nothing could go wrong. Yeah, it's but they great. don't. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay. So what? You know, a few million people have to die uh, on the way as we work well, the kids out. It, in a big, if you take a forty thousand foot view, doesn't it look like they're sort of trying to figure out who is who's going to comply and who's not? They're vetting. They're getting rid of See, all the, I don't even, the nurses is, and the doctors yeah, that don't comply. But this, this is where I even I don't see it so much. This always goes back to my like I I think there's enough issues with human nature and wanting convenience and all that shit that you don't need the top down orchestrated conspiracy as much because yeah. I think like going back to the, the Lenin quote yeah. of the West will give you the rope, uh, give us the rope to hang them on a micro level. Mm-hmm. All humans are co- constantly proving that they'll, they'll take convenience and so why are they pushing of, so hard? Look at Canada I, though, right now, like they've gone nuts and they're like right next to us, our neighbors they're going. Yeah. They're freezing bank accounts now. Yeah, but I literally, I literally think that could be that Justin Trudeau is really convinced that he is saving the population from a virus. That, uh, that you know, like, I, I mean, mean, he could actually. I'm not saying that I don't he know is. If I, I don't that a good like on a scale of probability. I don't. I don't think that would be the. I can't. Yeah, I can't I, put that at the but top I'm not, of the probability. But I'm not. Scale. Yeah. But I, what I'm saying is, like, I don't think. But like the flip side to that, the extreme is if you're saying like they're all meeting in a room and no, say this I is mean, what we're gonna do. To, just, I don't think I'm just that's using that as a, an example of yeah. you know he's obviously doing. I mean, you have you have places in the world where the pandemic's over. Like, or, well, let, I let, mean, let, so, let, let I'll, I'll point it on yeah. a different because we've had this discussion yeah. before and we, like. It, how about this example? The woman in Xinjiang, yeah, who is the block becomes the block captain checker, yeah. Like that woman. There's one version of that where you think that she is evil and supporting the communist state, and mm. she wants to be part of it and and suppress the Uyghurs. Yep. But the reality is that She's she could part. She's playing her part, yeah. or she could even be convinced that she is doing the right thing, that she is bought into, that it's all for community, it's all for our greater good. These are mind viruses that uh, people yeah. have. Oh, the mind like, viruses. Yeah, so yeah, she could, yeah. and that's what I see, because I have a very, well, I humans feel, I do mean, not impress me at no. all, and I just constantly so, okay, see so their... Would it matter? No, well, to you. No, but I mean, we've had that. Cover, they, but I'm just saying, what what matters is the cartoon version of the conspiracy of closed doors. I I don't really care of the like. It doesn't. The fact that he's doing it is. Oh, I agree. You but know, it, is just is sort of like fact it, enough that it's happening. So because I want to stop it. Yeah. In you, the version of the. Fighting against the the dark room conspirators against us does not work because it doesn't add up. So a lot of mainstream society sees that as being ridiculous 
and can't get behind it. Mm-hmm. I'd prefer to give them arguments that actually stop it. Like if you, it's the difference between uh, uh, bringing up like what's going on in Xinjiang. Yeah. Ideally, to me, that would start if people like read Jeff Kane's book. Yeah. You'd have to have it. You'd start a discussion more mainstream about well we have got to decide what are the limits of technology where are we've got to actually talk about it however if you focus on there's a bunch of bad guys in a room somewhere in Xinjiang that are planning but this is where uh, yeah yeah, but we go in the the, the same circles yeah but but I do have a point yeah but this is where I I get like I there need to be more intelligent, nuanced arguments against the things that are happening mm-hmm. and stop playing into the hands of pe- like you can't everything. If it's painted like as a cartoon conspiracy of a bunch of evil people plotting against you, you yep. you discredit the argument. I- and they if that exists or if it doesn't, it furthers. Things in the wrong direction. I understand. All right, so let me rebut that. Just in the same way that you have now uh, experienced and seen that Xinjiang exists and looked at it is the same way I'm saying, hey, along with Xinjiang, it's not as far, but look at things that are taking place in Australia or in Canada. It's just a... An observation yep. of a progression yep. but, that is not as far, but and it, and that's it. That's just that's yeah, it. But, no, like no, let's but, acknowledge that it's going on. Yeah, but it's it's and again, we've had this conversation before. Yeah. Like it's narratively more pleasing to, and it's entertaining to focus on those those parts. Like, but then it's a quick one or two steps, and somebody will bring up the point. Bill Gates is doing things with all these people. Oh, yeah, the and, the patents? Yeah, <laughs> like, which is interesting. Like, is, but my yeah. point is, yeah. is that you get a bunch of people fired up that want to focus on Bill Gates being the Antichrist or something. In the meantime, all of these apps and whatever the actual damages yeah. proliferates not because of Bill Gates, but uh-huh. because nobody actually sees the actual loss of their liberty and that all of this could be stopped by people saying it could have been stopped in at any point it could be stopped it could be stopped by people just enforcing saying no we don't want the patriot act anymore yeah well or we don't want this we to... it it you don't it doesn't have to do anything with bill gates well it's a it's no, very but interesting have to, you have to at some point and i don't see how uh, acknowledge it or seeing things that are happening that you might want to stop them for whatever reason. It's any any knowledge or uh, observation that things may not be going the way you want them to is probably a good thing other than people just getting their latte like you're talking about faster. If you like pick your head up and go, oh, look at, you know, they're freezing bank accounts in Canada. Why would they do that? That's not against that's that's against freedoms. They shouldn't do that. But at least they're picking up and, and looking and yes, to some degree, you know, that's, you just want uh, yeah. some any but, press is yeah. good press at that point, right? Uh, For, not necessarily. It's the same reason why politics turns into propaganda and the wrong people win elections because there can be a real issue 
And yes, you want to show people to get them involved. Yeah. But then if you don't continue to try to force the, the actual discussion about it to be intelligent and focus on solutions, then it just becomes a bumper sticker. It becomes a phrase that people then that don't think about things and just rely on five second sound bites. They gravitate towards overly simplistic solutions that people in power then use to continue the same crap. It's the same that. way. I, I understand, it, like, it, I understand it, where it's you're like, coming it, from. It, it's like it, it or there are fascinating stories and things with, and it just, I'm bringing this up just because we've already been talking about him with Bill Gates, yeah. like all kinds of questions of why he makes uh. the decisions. He, but I don't, as far as actually solving the world's problems where we don't end up enslaved, yeah. I don't give a fuck what Bill Gates does. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't think he's a, Bill Gates could die tomorrow from a heart attack, and this is all still going to be happening because there's another yeah, there's person. there's a million to, other places. Yeah, but so. it, for me, the, the, you know, acknowledgement at any point that it's not just your fast latte is a good thing. People people know about the crazy conspiracy theories yeah. lots of times, and they're rejecting even learning about subjects because they sound so crazy. Like they're, yeah. They, I mean, well, it's they not get demonized, like, and yeah, you know, that's yeah, but that's yeah. part of the blender system that keeps you throwing you to left or or the right I'm side. Just, I, yeah, you know? I'm, and I'm just saying, like, no matter how many times at this point, and again, just but to use an example, gotta, you can't. You can't scream Bill Gates is eating babies. That's preaching to the choir. Either there's people that think Bill Gates is eating babies and they're going to applaud you and, and try to kill Bill Gates. And then there's a bunch of people who will never listen to anything yeah, you have to gonna say. You're going to lose yeah, so, a ton. So exactly. You're lose a so ton. take that but maybe out of you there get some. and talk about the privacy and sure, the, I mean, the potential, the actual solutions so it doesn't matter if Bill Gates eat ba eats babies or not, but we uh, reform the the actual our use of technology where nobody can do anything. It's uh okay. You might in your version of the nicer, smaller. I don't think it's, nicer. It's, it's it's more realistic. It's, it gets yeah, a solution. Yeah, but it doesn't. It well, yeah, and you want to steer people towards a solution, but you're up against right now the big giant show circus. That is, you know, the commercials of one side or the other side. Sure. So you you can play a tiny little fiddle here, but you're up against the whole orchestra of other stuff. What I'm saying is if, if you can make enough noise to get a couple to look at you, at least you get a couple to look at you yeah, too. I don't know if I because agree if with not, that theory. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's that, it's there's either there you you that, might that's get like some the whole people. argument of well but we gotta buy into I don't think the, you have to buy into anything just it's like a marketing like a marketing stream if you get some people to look you're gonna lose a whole bunch maybe you won't get all of them but maybe you get some and maybe those some lead to another and maybe um, I don't agree with that if you're you're I think you're playing into the game that you are already destined by to lose. noticing occurrences no and maybe we're not that's that we're, we're on the yeah. wrong yeah. i'm just noticing I, uh, you know bank accounts being frozen over supposed health 
concerned. Yeah, which, and, and, and that part agreeing. is like that's what, I'm not yeah. the only thing that started this whole part of our conversation yeah. is you saying the word like it's planned or what are they trying? Well, to what do? is he doing by that's what freezing I'm bank accounts? Like, would if we should get yeah, the discussion? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I don't. What is want the it. end game of that? I don't. I thought. I don't to me, see, and that's exactly. And this is where. Yeah, I don't you know, think that's important. Why I think it's important is people. We should all be getting back to the idea that that is a horrific breach yeah. of civil liberties, and it doesn't matter what his end game is. Yeah, people well, should be. But, okay, but the reason why he's getting away with it is mm. half the population doesn't care because. It has gotten all about end games. Yeah. It's gotten, you've gotten two teams that are about end games. And my whole point is we should all get back to realizing that nobody wins if either side wins. No, yeah. And that the only way to get out of that is yeah. the principles. And okay, like, so, so let me get this straight. So what you're saying is we should notice that. He that Canada is freezing bank accounts, but not extrapolate to why. I don't think it's as, as it, it important. Matter I don't think why, it's the the most. Yeah, okay. I don't think and it's can, the most important thing. I just, think it's interesting. Yeah, I just want to bring light to the fact that you know it's an egregious uh, trampling of freedoms that that is going yeah. on, and then yeah. you can stop right there, yeah. and then. At that point, we can pick up, you know, a lot of people are going to go, oh, it's this or that, whatever. Who cares? At least they're sort of noticing yeah. that that is happening and maybe. But, okay, but this is where I think, the this is where the issue for me lies, is mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And then I think you, if, yeah, I'm using a hypothetical you, yeah. if somebody then immediately extrapolates that to their plan of what his end goal is. Yeah. And it's part of the great reset. And Klaus Schraub has got... Well, that's... And, yeah, that's... I do but, that but just as an extrapolation. You then... The half of the people mm -hmm. that you might have been able to potentially yeah, went you, over... you're saying they shut down. They shut down immediately. Okay. Because there's so much speculation and... And I'm even, because I'm fascinated by it, yeah. and I think it makes uh, very interesting discussions and like to explore it. But the problem is, is when that half of the people yeah. hear it, hear people saying it as fact yeah. and saying this is, and because there is definitely on both sides, echo chambers yeah. of where people get on the internet and they all start feeding into each other and finding documents and they all believe and maybe they are right, but they get so far down in their version of what is reality, then they're saying this is what's happening as fact. Yeah. And then people like I've got relatives out in California. Yeah. They can't even they are so far behind on what you and I legitimately understand yeah. about some of the threats going on to America from like they they probably would not even listen to this the podcast yeah. on China, what's happening in Xinjiang, yeah. because they're immediately going, oh, I know what this is. Yeah. This is and a they, conspiracy. That's all I'm ever trying to do is just use it as a launching pad to get somebody to look up. No, but that, that's all. It, yeah, but like, it's not serving it's like, that purpose. That's I what get, I'm... Well, yeah, it, but that's it, why I'm saying what it. What we're it's, doing here is, because we've got this factual thing that's happening in Xinjiang, and then... For me, hey, that's 
that's a, that is something that has taken place. Look at how far that has gone. And at the same time, if you don't think that that can be here, hey, look at our neighbors. Yeah. It is not there's things that are not anywhere near as far as that, but they have gone very far in a year yeah. compared to where we were last year. So look at what you don't want. Look at what but that's, may yeah. be heading in that direction. But what I'm saying is they won't listen to you if you immediately start extrapolating it to things that are unproven, that sound Yeah, but I fantastic. haven't done that. This no, time. I'm no, just, no, no. I'm not saying. Know, I mean, no, but I'm, I'm saying we're talking. I'm not saying you right yeah, now. No, I understand. I, I completely understand that. And for me, and I, you know, I made a mistake of. I do run like war games in my head. Like, let me play this out. Like, I'll give you an example. The, the, well, let me let me more. let me just say the, yeah. the, before you give like the main point, and this is why I have such an issue with. And I don't even know a fucking more respectful term to use, but conspiracy theorists. And I like, uh, yeah, I'm sure somebody will leave a a bad review for me disparaging conspiracy theorists. They're conspiracy facts. But uh, the problem that I have is with the whole thing is that there are things that are considered fact. Mm -hmm. And that's just based off of. And facts do change, but at any point, you've got what is considered fact by the majority of humans. Yeah. That's what what is considered fact. Whatever the majority of humans thinks is fact. Yeah. In order to change their mind, you can go one, maybe two steps yeah. further and support evidence, show evidence yeah. to change their thinking to new facts. Yeah. Most people that get heavily involved in conspiracies go 81 r- steps yeah. in one direction and maybe they're correct even yeah. that those are facts yeah. but when you're they're spouting those as facts and they're 81 steps away from what is considered fact yeah. no one's going to listen to you and then it discounts all the other steps between where people are at in that 81st step you want them to get to. Yeah. Because you're not, you're so far out of their realm of reality that they cannot listen to you. I get and you. that then allows worse stuff to happen because there's a whole group of reasonable people yeah. that if you could just inch them one or show factual arguments and inch them one or two steps it would slow down a lot of this yeah crazy shit i i un, i completely understand where i i'm now beginning to understand are the difference in our takes i don't i don't have a problem with extrapolation it's just because the way my brain works but i don't i don't it either it's entertaining but it's got to be differentiated it, it from what is known yeah but it, it's there's a point where i end off on things that i think I know, relatively think I know, and then versions, and then I spin off in my head. Like, the example I was going to use is, like, the one thing that I did learn in college was how to throw a party, okay? So, for me, before the party took place, I would have the party in my head, the whole entire party. I would walk around the party in my head. I would find out that, oh, no, the band is too close to the kegs, and the people dancing from the band is going to get in in the way of the line of people to get beer. In my head, I would figure this out, and then I would make changes on that, but it was only by going through the whole thing in my head that I would find out, 
you know, maybe th- uh, things that didn't work out and things that could be done better or things that t- completely were in the wrong place or wrong wrong things. And it's kind of how it works with, you know, anything else. I'm trying to think, all right, if I go through all this, that doesn't seem to work. That doesn't seem to work. But it it's not a problem for me to do that and stop at the at the end of the facts and know that those are the end of the what I think I know. And anything beyond that is just extrapolation. What you seem to be saying to me is that people that start gloating on or glorifying anything past the end of the facts gets people all riled up and then they lose focus of what is actually happening to a detriment, for a detriment. Okay, yes. If what, if quote unquote conspiracy theorists have a differentiation in their minds between what is fact and what is extrapolation yeah. and speculation, they would all be doing themselves and the world a service if they started to enunciate that yeah. and point out yeah. what they know versus what is... But I even think from listening to the way a lot of those people talk, they don't have a clear... No. They don't know what... And then they get in echo chambers where oh, they're yeah. given false information that has passed amongst themselves that they support and tell each other yes. is true and they get farther and farther away from the mainstream. You get your own fame. Yeah. And I understand that. Yeah, yeah. And it's so that, uh, and that's what I actually try to do is focus on, cause I love speculating. Mm-hmm. I love to, that's, those are more fun conversations, Yeah, but that's where I always try to go back to differentiating in the way I speak of saying like, like this, that's what, like with the thing in Xinjiang, it, this appears to be real yeah, because of all the evidence coming out of it from multiple sources, journalists that are putting their reputation on the line, it becomes, and again, you, it can be debated like, you know, Oh, well, what is real? How do we know? Yeah. yeah. yeah but there's sort of, you can make an assumption based yeah, on a preponderance you, yeah. of different sources. And so that seems real, but then, then there's other things that you don't have that much data from. Mm-hmm. They may be fascinating. They yeah. could be what is actually going on. Yeah. But more people I wish that were into this stuff would differentiate and say not stated as fact. Yeah. But raise and say, well, this is an interesting question. Yes. Why is Bill Gates, you know, consulting with President Xi on this? Yeah. And just raise the question without the it's the essentially no, the way the, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Not- it's essentially the way that like courts work. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. Uh, you'll lose a court case if you're an attorney Hmm. that just comes in and extrapolates and, and create, you may have your theory of how the murder was committed, but you've got to present the facts, only the facts in order to build the case where the people listening have to come to the decision in their brain that that is what happened. Like you can't, just say I love yeah. the, the version of this where you extrapolate with questions as opposed to statements. That's the way attorneys do. It. Yeah, but yeah. I know I like yeah. I like your take on that. Then that's that's what I do. That's what I'm saying. It's like why is he freezing bank accounts? Yeah. it's against freedom and it's against their rules. And and you know and that is, in my opinion, that is it's a more. Uh, 
cumbersome, tiresome way to do it. Yeah. On if if you're coming from a perspective that you and in, deep inside you've got a strong like I know why he's freezing bank accounts because he's far. And I'm not saying I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. I'm not saying you actually believe, yeah. but I'm just saying like it's more tiring to deal with it that way yeah. because what you're trying to do then is to raise the awareness so the people eventually question enough where they come to their own conclusions. Yes. But that is a way more effective way than saying, than taking the six or seven more steps and trying to connect well, all the dots what I mean for people. By if I can get anybody to look up, that means asking a yeah. question themselves and sure. trying to answer the question yeah. themselves. Yeah. That's what I mean by looking up. If, yeah. I get, if you get some people to look up at this problem based on our conversations, great. Based If if, yeah. if what he did in Canada makes somebody look up and go, well, hey, things aren't normal like they were last year. Why do I think that is? Now maybe they go looking for information. And there's going to be – like so many commercials for such grandiose, crazy stuff out yep. there that you're going to have. Like when I tell you I wade through shit to find out stuff, I'm all the way down yeah. in the shit. Like, but I don't I don't care. I don't mind wading through it and I'm OK with doing it because I'm always I, I have a filter enough that I can just move it aside. And, you know, I'll put it where it goes eventually. It doesn't yeah. I don't get in overcome and enthralled by you know one story or another yeah pieces of a puzzle or pieces of a puzzle that's all it is you know what value they have i'm just going to take from this conversation that asking questions is good yeah <laughs> i don't see a version of that where asking questions can be bad in any version we, of that i don't even know how we got into <laughs> my my only thing is and this is the whole like it's just like they're fascinating discussions to have of why everything's going on and what the 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 root cause could be but holy shit i just see like yeah justin trudeau might become a, a dictator of canada but if we can't find a different way to approach these things and talk about them Half the country is going to be applauding him as he does it they because they're going to. Yeah, the, that's that's going to be happening no matter what you do, Jim. You got that. So we have to find a way to nuance them into asking a question. That's the I best. Think, the, I think you're taking my suggestion too literally. No, I no. love your suggestion. <laughs> yeah, that you, is the root of everything. You're doing a classic Freddy and just going to take it too it. Literally, literally and run no, to literally, the extreme. Literally, if everybody just asked more questions, yeah. a lot would be better, right? Yes, yes. That's, that's, that's part of the dumbing down of, yes. of society where nobody... Do you think people... that dumbing down is on purpose, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> If we only kidnap Bill Gates <laughs> and torture Bill Gates, he'll tell us how he dumbed everybody down, and then we can oh, fix it all, and everybody will get you, smart again. Imagine if you tried to answer that question, the things you might find. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. It's just scary as hell. The way uh, – this is why I'll go uh, – yeah, I just go back to solar flares only answer, because there's no <laughs> – <laughs> this is all going to head in the same because all my th theories of lighting how to if fix I, this is we I, have to get a lot more people because even if like i don't know what 10 percent of us are 
awake and asking questions. It's not enough. Well, yeah, but, but this is a good example because the discussion we just had yeah. is the whole point of this show. Yeah. And like in my mind is going to be, well, that's awesome. If somebody listens to this and makes them rethink how they're communicating and they might side with you more, they might side with me more. But we're getting them to think about the way that they're communicating and hopefully improve however they're doing. Yeah. And that's like the whole point of this show. But you know what will probably happen from this show? What? Is we'll get one person that leaves a one-star review because just the fact that I cast any doubt on conspiracy theories. Yeah. And they will say, like, you just don't know what the hell's going on, and you need to wake up. <laughs> and, and that guy's an idiot. He just hasn't learned enough about the, you know, how the world's going to... And then we'll get another person that'll leave a one-star review and say, I listen to four minutes of these two middle-aged white guys, and I know they're racist. <laughs> And those will be the only reviews. And then no one will actually listen. Oh, you've lost faith, Jim. I lost faith years ago. Uh, I have not. So anybody out there who listen. wants to leave a five-star review with some yeah. good comments, go ahead and show Jim. Show Jimmy's yeah. wrong. Yeah, maybe we should end on that. Yeah. Yeah, with the uh, plea for <laughs> <laughs> your your plea to restore Tell my faith in humanity. Tell him about what we're going to try and do with lives. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. If anyone is still listening at this point, <laughs> which I highly doubt. But if anyone is you listening... You might have made them what, mad enough to yeah, leave. Yeah, uh, it's just... It's amazing. When I wrote that book, uh, The Independence Guide to Overthrowing the Two-Party System, yeah. practically the only people that uh, left reviews were just either people on the left or the right who both hated me. Yeah, And just like, what the hell? You just don't get it. <laughs> You're an idiot. Stop! Stop uh, pissing people off, Jim. Yeah, and tell them just, about our yeah. live thing. Yep. So uh, we are gonna try starting, uh, try to start doing these deep dive shows on call in, the call in app, which is just you can find on call in c a l l i n dot com or just in Android or uh, uh, it's in the app Apple, store. Yeah, podcast. Download it free, and then we're gonna start. The problem, though, is uh, we don't know. You'll have to be on call-in to see when the live shows are going to happen right now because we're not on a set schedule. So the pattern is right now we got two interview shows, and then we do the deep dive as the third show. Yep. And so that could be roughly every two weeks, but yep. you'd have to be on call-in at this point to be able to see when the shows are announced. But if you do that, the cool thing about it is... If you just listen to two hours of the last 45 minutes, me and Freddie arguing, then you might want to actually sign up for the the call-in app because you can call in and we'll get you on and you can argue with us. Yes. You can tell us we're both dumbasses. You can totally call in and side with me against Jim. Yeah. Where it would be a two-on-one situation. Maybe we could beat him into submission. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So that should be exciting. Because we'll probably get, yeah, chewed out by a couple of you. Does this show have a Twitter where you could announce nah, the lives? I eventually uh, get there, but it's just there's those. yeah, but it's so you too can much announce work. the lives. So that yeah, there's too much work. You on to, there's too many things. There's too many. <laughs> there's too many updates. There's too many things to load. <laughs> too many. <laughs> there's just too much. <laughs> it's hard enough to. Well, it took it took us like uh, half an hour to figure out how, well, how to work the mics the, again. Maybe down the road. Yeah. Maybe down the road we'll be able yeah. to announce a eventually. live. Eventually. 
eventually. eventually. But for right now, if you have listened this long, please leave us a five-star review so I don't cry. <laughs> and he will. Also, he will cry. And also uh, join Colin, uh, the Colin app, and look for the Independent Riot Show and follow that. And then you'll be alerted when we have the live shows coming up. And you can call in and tell us we're idiots. You got anything else, Freddie? No. All right. Uh, stay tuned. The next two interviews we've got are pretty good ones. Um, they are already recorded, so they should be coming out uh, pretty quick. One is a civil liberties attorney. And, Freddie, he would side with you on a lot of these <laughs> topics, I think. I think you're going to enjoy his... Well, uh, then I automatically think everything he's saying is a fact. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he brings the heat in the 40 <laughs> minutes that I'm talking to him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it is it's a pretty entertaining discussion. And, uh, and then he is an awesome uh, attorney that he actually does a lot of like work to protect civ- people's civil liberties and stuff. So he's actually like a phenomenal... Uh, human rights and civil liberties attorney that uh, I'm going to promote his website in the the show where like if you've got any issues with uh, you know freedom of speech or or privacy issues he's the guy to contact because oh, nice. he he'll, he takes a lot of cases pro bono but if he doesn't can't take it then he knows other attorneys to get his card because we might be needing that pretty soon (laughs) yes and then uh gonna do the robert guffey uh second part of that interview where he goes into uh ripping on why QAnon is basically a massive catfish scheme yeah so so you're not gonna like that one but we'll do them see that we'll do both of those and then we'll be able to talk we'll be able to argue about both of those and then have people call in and argue with us yeah so All right. Thank you very much uh, for listening. And uh, no matter what you do, where you go, just keep thinking for yourself and tune in next time. Thanks for listening to the Independent Riot Podcast, your home for free thinkers, independent believers, and radicals questioning the status quo. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please do us a huge favor and leave a quick positive review on whatever platform you're using. It's free to you and super easy to leave us a good ranking and really help spread the word about the podcast to other independent thinking folks. Thanks for listening, and please go ahead and subscribe so we can be sure to see you next time.